0: Somehow, some way, I really can't believe we are going into season number five of Above and Beyond. And once again, our friends at Compassion International have been amazing partners in this journey over the last five years. Above and Beyond is the intersection of faith and sports, and over five years, it's been a been a wild ride of of many different guests over the years, former teammates, former coaches, others I hardly knew. And for episode number one of season five, we'll introduce you to Corey Kispert, Corey Kispert, and all of American at Gonzaga this last year actually won the Dr. J award uh, in college basketball. Just a remarkable journey over four years as he grew and developed under the tutelage of Mark View and Spokane. And uh, and while Corey is one of our younger participants that we've had as a part of this Above and Beyond series, his wisdom's pretty darn incredible, and his wisdom in particular of balancing the gift of basketball with the identity of who God has called him to be. Along the way, uh, you'll hear in this conversation about his mentor and long walks on the campus at Gonzaga. You'll hear about his early adversity when he was a Bulldog in his freshman season and what that meant over the course of his career, And lastly, yes, some of those images from March Madness where Gonzaga fell short to the Baylor Bears and how he processed through that brutal, difficult loss and yet gained so much perspective. Corey Kispert from King's High School, an All-American at Gonzaga, in our episode number one season five with Above and Beyond. Corey Kispert, man, I think the first time I ever saw you, you didn't even know that I saw you. Was walking into a gym at uh, Friends of Hoop. You're Beautiful. probably probably at Bellevue College. You're probably a, a, a late middle schooler uh, getting into high school, and you walk by. I'm like, man, that is a that is a pretty grown man right there. That is a that is a good looking little athlete uh, that's coming in here to play a little basketball. So I think most people that are going to tune into this are going to say Corey Kispert. That's right. Basketball player. So why don't we start with your journey uh, there, way back when, with when you put that orange ball in your hand and you started to use the gift that you had of basketball.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, my dad was a basketball player in college, and so ever since I can remember, um, that little orange ball is in my hands. Uh, he had pictures of. Um, I remember there's a there's a home video of me and my dad on the couch. And I'm like little, I don't know, am a little kid. And he's has me in his arms and he's throwing me like he's throwing he's like throwing me and catching me in the air, like you know, parents do sometimes. And um, he's got a picture of Larry Bird and Dr. J behind him. So every time he threw me, he'd go, Larry Bird and Dr. J. Larry Bird and Dr. J. And I would <laughs> fly up in the air and I'd see these two guys and I'd hit back in the arms. And I guess that was kind of the start of it all. Um, and from there it was kind of All systems go. I played sports. I played everything growing up. My favorite sport was whatever sport was in season. Uh, But um, when the rubber met the road, I was the best at basketball. And, you know, you're pretty you you, you tend to like things that you're good at. So um, I started to fall in love with it pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. And this, this podcast is the intersection of those two with above and beyond. And this is a blast to have you a part of, of this season. I think I was telling you before we started you and Matisse Thibault probably in a race for the youngest, uh, to be a part of this. Most, uh, most of the testimonies and stories are those looking back through the rear view mirror, but man, you've got so much coming up in your windshield, which is just phenomenal. I can't wait to dig into that with you. So sports a big part of it. How about faith? When when were you introduced? Did you grow up in that that home of yours and in a passionate sports and basketball home? Was it equally passionate in their journey with the Lord?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, young young memories include pops teaching Sunday school at church, vacation Bible school in the summer. Kind of those memories as kids were really fond ones. I went to Kings, which is a a Christian. You know, I was K through eight, so. Um, from six years old, I went there and, and that, I mean, I'm really thankful for that place kind of giving me the, the building blocks and the foundation that I could feel really good about stepping out of there and, and letting my faith grow and morph into my own, uh, as I started living on my own and stuff like that.
0: How was that formed? How was that foundation built right there? I've got yeah. a a senior yeah. to be that's, that's heading off to, to college as well. And um, the, you know, my kids went through the Bear Creek school and then she's been in the public school and out here in Colorado, she's at Valor Christian. And equally, I think as a parent, we feel great about some of that foundation, of uh, truth that's been built into them. But as you said, right there, you're thankful for it. Why?
1: It, it was such a good, like, I mean, it was a place that I could, you know, ask questions and not be, you know, put into a corner right? I could feel free to keep my teachers after class if I had something I want to talk to them about and and really dig into those faith questions I mean people teachers of public schools aren't allowed to talk about that and that's the way it's been for a long time so thankfully I was at a place where I could you know dig into those things with teachers and you know it just so happened that my mom was also one of those teachers and um, she taught Bible in the in the tenth in the 11th grade and so I took her class and also just to kind of see her work and see her work in different students' lives. Uh, she was the person that kids would stay with after class to, to talk about their stuff. I would always walk into her class when I was little too young to drive home and her door would be locked to her, to her office and she'd be there for half an hour to an hour just like flushing things out with students and it was um, really powerful to see the impact she had on people's lives.
0: Yeah, I think many times, Corey, people would, would look from the outside and, and say, especially maybe public school students or parents or what have you, and say, Oh man, they just indoctrinating, right? They're just force feeding that faith or force feeding, you know, the biblical truth into these, into these students. And they don't have a chance to grow from that. They're just being forced it how would you say your experience? I think you just kind of laid that out beautifully, but you know, some of those conversations and some of those dialogues that you had with mom as a teacher and and mom as a, is a spiritual leader as well in your home, but just some of the other great conversations and, and I don't want to say debate, but, but certainly, you know, as, as high school kids and as teenagers, you're learning, take me inside some of those conversations.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, and thankfully, I think the part of the reason why, Kings was so good for me was I was able to go from there into different places of my life and interact with people who didn't think the same way I did. So, I mean, I played, you mentioned it with Friends of Hoop. I played at Friends of Hoop and um, those kids come from all over the state to play and you're with each other enough in the gym and on the road that those conversations do come up. So outside of the King, outside of the walls, I was able to, you know, kind of engage in that a little bit, um, but also inside, there were a bunch of kids who at, at Kings who didn't really adopt what we were teaching. And from where I was sitting, I don't think that you were, no one was ostracized or put to the side because they didn't believe what Kings taught. You know, I was really good friends with people who were very unsure about their faith and um, still am to, these, to this day. And um, just to kind of play the long game with them and mm-hmm. Them over time, and um, just continue to be in their ear a little bit, has been really a, a blessing for me. And I'm never a person that's gonna, you know, lay out a 30 minute PowerPoint presentation or a TED talk to like make the decision to convert somebody. But it's always been something for me that you gotta kind of play the long game a little bit and work with them over time. And usually, by the way that you act and the way that you live, people kind of start
0: to get a clue. And at Kings, boy, there was a lot of success on the court as well, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Tell me about uh, some of the fun and, and the state championships and and just that that journey to really kind of in some ways project you on to Gonzaga, which I know we will get to as well in the in the fun unbelievable run and road you've been on there. But you yeah. all celebrated quite a bit of success at least yeah. on the court. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've been I've been really blessed to be a part of some really good teams. And high school is where it all started. I mean, we won. We played in the state championship game every year except for the last. my senior year and we lost the first we lost in my freshman year and we um won sophomore and junior and those were some of the most fun years of basketball i've ever i'll ever play specifically my uh junior year or both years were super unique because uh, my sophomore year we had during our playoff run we had like a a bus accident if you remember that
0: Um, well i've got that written down in my notes here yeah (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) over that a little bit. Yeah. Bus yeah. accident, we were heading off the freeway and um, took a corner too quickly to kind of shorten that story. And the bus fell on its side and, and ran into the media, into the road. And, you know, I remember laying on the ground with shards of glass around me. You know, people were like people were yelling, like, are you, are you OK? Are you OK? And we had to, like, help each other out of the top of the bus where the emergency hatch is. It was like, you know, 10 o'clock at night and we had to call our parents. And I think one of our one of our kids were like, you know, making a call to mom like, hey, we're heading off the freeway. If you want to start like driving to school to come pick me up, that'd be great. And like all that started happening as he was on the phone. He didn't hang up. So she, she got to hear it all as it was happening. And so being able to go through that and win state, that was huge. That was my last year I played with my brother. And then we kind of rolled that success into the next year. And that next year, my junior year, was probably the best time I've – one of the best times I've ever had playing basketball. We had 12, 14 guys on the team. It didn't feel like we had any clicks. It was all just like one big group, one big uh, group of friends. And truly it felt like when you would go to practice, you know, at the end of the day, you just were going to hang out with your friends for two hours. Like it made things so so much more enjoyable and easy. You know, success just kind of follows that type of culture, I guess
0: was that bus accident a faith building opportunity for you or or teammates
1: totally like i mean when you, every time you come in there's something about coming in close contact with something that can kill you that like really like sober's you up and like puts it in perspective about you know how fleeting life is and how you need to live you know every day like it's your last and there's a lot of corny cheesy phrases that can go with that but those you know really hit home and then also like you know there is there there totally was a faith element, like I think you know you know we think that God had his hand on that bus that night, and um he protected all of, there was no i mean we had a concussion and we had like a arm contusion, it didn't break, but it was like badly bruised, and that was it, so wow. as far as injuries go, we were really you know we were blessed by that and um There was nowhere to look except for up when, when thinking about how we kind of got out of that accident the way we we did.
0: So ultimately you win a couple state titles, you break your foot, your senior year, ultimately at that point, you know, it just as dad was throwing you up in the air, Dr. Mm -hmm. J, Larry bird, Dr. J, Larry bird, Dr. J, Larry bird, uh, some doors are opening for you collegiately. I want to spend a little time on this, the recruiting element of it, where your faith came into that, those conversations. I know there's so many coaches and family members and aspiring young athletes that'll that'll tune into this podcast to listen to that. Take me back to the recruiting process, Corey, and, and really whatever angle you want to take to begin with.
1: It's a great question. And in the recruiting process for me was centered around my family. Um, they were with me on every uh, every visit. I mean, I kind of went over phone calls with them. They were talking with coaches a lot too. So it wasn't just me. Um, it was, it was, it was a group, it was a team effort too. And they kind of helped me think about those questions, um, as I was, you know, on visits or on phone calls and stuff. So I could ask them and, and things like that. And thankfully I got down at the end of the deal with, uh, three coaches who not only, um, play for or coach great teams, but also are very strong Christians and great people too. Mike Bray at Notre Dame was very, very intentional on kind of sh- showing me how his faith impacted him in Notre Dame and on my visit and stuff. And he was really impressive. And then po- most impressive of all was Tony Bennett at Virginia. And I mean, he's a, he's a rock star, absolute rock star. And um, he invited, he invited all of us into his home. He spent hours on end talking with my mom about faith. And my dad too. And, um, there was times where like the team would be done with dinner and we'd be playing like watching TV on the couch, like ready to go. And like mom and coach Bennett and and my dad are talking about like Jesus in the corner. And so, and even, even to this day, like he, we played him in Texas this, this, uh, winter. And, you know, after the game, he came up and shook my hand. He was like, like Corey, I'm proud of you. Like keep the faith. Like who, like who knew you would have come this far, like type thing. And, um, I mean, just a stand-up all-around dude. You'll never hear him. You'll never, you barely ever hear him raise his voice at a ref or at a player. Like that's type. That's the type of composure he has. And and then also Coach Few is, you know, speaking for himself too. Like he, you know, his family has grown up in a like a very strong Christian home. He we we pray after practice every day. And um, thankfully, when I got to when I chose Gonzaga, he set me up with like the the version of FCA on campus kind of and set me up there. That's been something I've been plugged into for for four years now. And that's really helped me in my walk here. I'm really thankful that I got a chance to be a part of that uh, right off the get-go and kind of plug into that community right away.
0: Tony Bennett was a part of one of our seasons of Above and Beyond. He was such a it was such a blast yeah. uh, to have him aboard, and you could just yeah, it wasn't just talking his faith. He was genuinely walking it. So yeah. ultimately, though, that door not open at Virginia. It ultimately, yeah. ultimately, how did that work out? That you ended up in Gon, at, at Gonzaga. Yeah, I
1: mean that was kind of the that was kind of the 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 two to choose from. Obviously, when you're a high school kid and you go to Charlottesville and you see the locker room and facilities and the ACC and the titles and it's really it's really attractive. When we sat down in his office and kind of had the last meeting, he was very um, hesitant with me about my role coming into school. I mean, he was, you know, we're not really sure about your athleticism at this point versus ACC talent. Like we need to see more film against higher level teams we don't know if you can, you know, play right away here. You might have to redshirt. And then I was like, whoa, 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 like, hold on. And kind of was shocked by the way that that meeting went. Um, and then, you know, a week later, I went over to Gonzaga and Coach Few told me, like, hey, we, listen, I think we think that you're going to be the man here in three, in two, three years. Like, we want you to lead the team. We think you're what a Zag is all about. Like, you're going to be our guy. And I'm like, OK, so like I'm done. I'm in. And, <laughs> and like that was that was all the difference in the world to me was the programs were comparable to me at that point. Um, right now, I think I made the right. Well, I think I made the right choice for sure. But sure. Um, the way that coach you believed in me from the very beginning and kind of saw my future before I could ever see it was really the difference at the end of the
0: day. And was that pretty clear, Corey, with family as well? Because you walk through those circumstances yeah. and these guys spend so much time and I've told my story. The hardest call in my life at that point in my life when I was 18 was calling Terry Donahue, the coach at UCLA. He was a football coach there who I just really enjoyed, admired. In fact, of maybe all of the coaches on the entire recruiting you know, circuit through those years, there was just a kinship. I just really mm-hmm. respected and appreciated him. And I remember having to call him. And, <laughs> and my mom and dad were like, no, you're going to call him before you're going to tell Washington yes. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I really want the good first. All right? All right. I think it will help me to make that tougher phone call. Like, I really want, nope, nope. And I remember, gosh, I could close my eyes and picture our old phone and picking it up and walking down the hallway to my little bedroom, oh, making the call and sweat dripping down my ribs. Like, oh, gosh, do I really have to do this? And he was so unbelievably classy and respectful and just, you know, said, yep you know, I get it, you know, best of luck to you. We'll compete against you and, um, made it very, very easy. So for me, that, that door to Washington clearly opened, um, is you said no to Tony Bennett, right. Or in some ways that door closed for you. Um, <laughs> what was that conversation like with your family, with your friends, uh, ultimately making that decision to go to yeah. Gonzaga?
1: My, my, my family was in the room when we had that conversation with coach Hugh and with uh, coach. So, I mean, when we got That's back, cool, man. That's yeah, cool. I mean, yeah, it was really nice to have them, you know, along and um, it speaks to the kind of people that Coach Hugh and Coach Bennett are. But we got back home and they were like, "Listen, Corey, like, it's a, it's a no brainer to us. Like, we want you to make the decision for you. And if there's anything you want to talk about, like, obviously bring it up. But like, just if you want to hear our perspective, like, it's a no brainer because not only did he say all those great things about you, you loved the team that you hung out with." Um, they're winning a bunch of games basketball is taking care of itself whatever but like not only that it's a four-hour drive over the mountains we can come watch and play whenever we want and it's hard to get into charlottesville <laughs> so, yes um and so i mean that was and that's not and that now four years later looking back has been such a big blessing to me to have i mean my 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 parents when my mom stopped teaching at school a couple of years ago they've been at pretty much every home game they could and it's 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 been amazing bringing family and then some of my friends who um, are from Seattle or from are like living here now, bringing them in, having my community so close and being able to share my experience with them has been um, one of the best parts of going here. So that was huge that I didn't realize it was going to be as, as big as it was. But now, you know, obviously it's a really big deal to have family and friends enjoy it with me.
0: Okay, so let's do as best we can uh, the, the next kind of phase of this conversation because this is so um, present in my life right now. My girls are basketball players, and I got one that's just maniacal about it. I mean, mm-hmm. just just absolutely maniacal. And I want to take Corey Kispert coming out of Kings, mm-hmm. multiple state championship, going to Gonzaga at that point. Tell me how Corey then balanced basketball as worship, basketball as I know I'm good at this, I'm gifted at it, I know I love it. But is it about Corey Kispert at that time? Or is it about, man, I can really use this as a platform. I yeah. can really use this to impact lives.
1: Corey Kisper, my freshman year of college, could really tell you those things word for word, but he would have a really hard time doing it. And <laughs> that all <clears throat> kind of came to fruition when I was you know, a freshman because I, um, I played really, really good to start. Like, I mean, really, really good. And I was in the i mean i was in practice i was shooting lights out i mean i was i was picking up the offense i was figuring it out and i mean i started the first you know four games or so and played really well in those i was like okay we're set like boom like i'm ready to use my platform and then like then i got hurt you know i got hurt and my spot got taken and the guy who took my spot played really well um and uh, i got i mean i was i was back in the lineup probably before i before I was ready. So I was hard, it was hard for me to kind of move around the court and do things I was normally able to do. And I didn't play as well after that. So all those things lined up. Now I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. I'm at the, like the lowest of the low for me. And that's when it got harder. You know, I realized how much like, okay, like I would have a good day of practice and I would come home and I'd be like, oh sweet, like my life is great. And then I would get beat up two days in a row and I'd be like screaming into pillows and stuff. So that's where that's, and then so like that, those first, you know, 18 months of playing at Gonzaga were some of the most challenging uh, of my life, just because even though it had all come so easy prior to that, I really kind of had to step back and think about like, where is this thing like in my life? Where is it ranking? How am I? How much weight am I giving it? And um, that's where I mean, my, my, the, the, the lady who leads our her athlete ministry. We were walking together weekly. She's hung out with all the basketball players before me and she's gonna hang out with all the basketball players to come. And so she knows kind of what I was going through and she was able to really help me through that and work with me in that. And um, you know, now coming out on the other side of it, like I'm a way much more balanced person. And I spent way less time worrying about if I, you know, had 18 points versus 23. Cause I, you know, missed a few free throws and a three pointer. So like, I mean, that's been huge to have her in my life and, and work with her. Someone who has experience doing, doing what, or working people like me and then also just kind of being able to bounce my thoughts off of somebody was
0: even more important. What's her name, Corey? Janine Steer. Janine Steer. Think of how many miles she has walked <laughs> with so many of the different athletes right yeah. through the years Take me into one of those conversations. Well, I mean, what what is that? Uh, for me, I had a youth pastor that played that role early. Uh, I had a pastor at Athletes and Action Minister at Washington named Mike Gunn. that was yes. such an inc- incredible sounding board. Our chaplain, Mike Rohrbach, mm-hmm. played that role for me. Yeah. When I got to the Seahawks, Carl Payne, the chaplain, Man, the number of hours in the office still trying to figure this thing out. How do I balance this? Right. I'm so driven. I want to do this. Right. And and yet there's obviously in sport and the higher you go, incredible adversity that you walk through as well. So take me through a few of those walks.
1: What she kind of unlocked for me was that like there's an opportunity for a portion of your life to be completely free of how you do and how you perform like that's it almost sounds like it's too good to be true you know like you're so used to like earning everything you get and um putting in the work and seeing the results and but faith doesn't necessarily have to be that way you know you can I mean at its core the promise we have from Jesus is that you don't have to do anything you know other than believe like that's about it so that part of your this part of your life that's been such a big part of your growing up story quarry and what you've been built on your family and your school and all that stuff like that p- a portion of your life you don't have to work a, a minute for you can spend like you you spend all of your life working at basketball and even sometimes you come up short there and you're always going to be successful in your faith just by being in it so she kind of helped me unlock that and have a portion of my life where i'm just free to be me and and don't have to worry about performing and, and making a certain standard. And that's what kind of clicked
0: it for me, to be honest. Yes. Ephesians 2.10, right? We are not saved by works. It's yeah. not our, it's not our works, but it's by yeah. that grace alone. Tell me, and in, in now, right, you're on this precipice, you're, you're sitting here getting ready for the NBA. And I do want to get into uh, this incredible run that you guys just had and everything else. But Corey, it is just, I, I call this right. The intersection of faith and sports, but it really is that just the collision of performance an achievement and that grind to be great with having a humility and an understanding that it's not all about you, <laughs> but it is about you. It is about going in that gym today. How many shots are you going to shoot today? A thousand? Yeah, probably. Right. And how many shots have you done and shot in Spokane since you came there? I mean, well, I, mean
1: hundreds of thousands. I
0: mean, hundreds of thousands to millions, right? I mean, you, it is it is that grind. It is that striving to be great, right? It is it is going after in that pursuit of excellence, which is awesome, which is also, you know, I think a, a calling that God wants us to have. But how do you navigate that, man? As, as a young guy, how, do you, how have you navigated that through college where, man, people do judge you by your performance, right? It's Corey Kispert. Yeah. Speaking of Dr. J, I, I believe you won the Dr. J award, right? Is, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, so I, how how do you, how do you find that piece? I guess at the end of the day, Corey, yeah. how do you find that piece as a young, aspiring athlete to yeah. go out there to compete and perform, but also understands this can't be my whole identity?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And, um, something that I learned this, uh, this summer, I mean, this summer we all had pretty much nothing to do um we all kind of were searching for ways to keep ourselves busy and um he and i and i I was and i and i started to pick up reading a little bit and i read i'm gonna keep the rest of the the title of this book out of the conversation but the beginning of it is the subtle art of and and i think people know some of the people i know the book can finish the rest of it but he he talks about how pain and suffering and joy are never separate from each other And always in life, people who seem like they have it made are going to suffer in some point. You know, no matter if you're Jeff Bezos or, you know, a homeless person in Seattle, you're going to have money problems. They're just different money problems. So you can't escape. You can't escape in your life. You can't escape suffering. And Jesus talks about that, too. You know, we live in a fallen world and we live in a place where, you know, sin is going to wreck pretty much every one of our lives. So are you, you know, are you running from that suffering? Are you trying to make your life as perfect as you can? Or are you letting that pain and suffering wash over you and finding joy inside of it? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's what I've kind of learned how to balance those things, especially in basketball. Like not every game is going to be perfect. You're never going to play a perfect game. You never mm-hmm. have a perfect week or a month or whatever. But um, and when things do go wrong, there's so much to look around and be thankful for and to give and to be happy about that. You can almost never be sad. You can almost never be angry about something just because of all the things that I look around and I'm I'm thankful for within, you know, a pandemic, within a loss, within a, you know, a bad game. And um, I think the intersection of, you know, reading that, playing basketball and also, you know, living out and applying it to faith has been huge for my mindset you know this year and that's part of the reason i think why i was so i was so successful this year
0: what a perfect lead then into <laughs> this last season right you just said it yourself it is never right you are going to have joy and blessing you're going to have pain and hardship that mm-hmm. is what's going to happen as we walk in a fallen world mm-hmm. but for 30 some games you guys are perfect yeah, for thirty some games you're on top of the world. For thirty yeah. some games you're chasing the Indiana Indiana Hoosiers of the 1970s as the only undefeated team, and you get all the way to the final 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and and you're there, right? I mean, you have all of this joy, and I know it's not easy, and I know there were tough games and BYU and the in the in the conference tournament, and you know, and I know there's there was st- stresses and injuries and hardship behind the scenes and adversity, but at least publicly at least the perception on the outside was my gosh what an unbelievable run and then you face a baylor team for 40 minutes that night that was just on fire that was just and obviously you fall short on the scoreboard so walk me into that just the the kind of
1: culture that you put together at a school like this you don't really think you're going to lose actually until that buzzer sounds like you just there's there's no way like some way we're going to end up winning this game we have to and um like you said um Baylor I mean Baylor played an amazing game and um even if we brought our best it would have been a really tight one so um I guess everything that I had spent the summer in the beginning of the year learning about studying reading about as soon as that buzzer, buzzer sounded, I, m- I remember having this like moment where like it's, te- it's test time. Like this is, this is where you are going to test what you've learned. And you see it so many years where you have um, like on TV, you have the team that won their press conference and how different it is from the press conference, the team that lost. And I was, you know, one of the lucky chosen ones to go on the, on the press conference 20 minutes after that buzzer sounded. So tried to articulate the way I was feeling. And to be honest with you, it was just, it was just, I was so thankful for it all. And to have my season come to a close like that really sucked. And it's still, I, still, I mean, I obviously still think about it. and It still kills me, but just taking that game out of it and looking back at my four years, just how thankful I am for the chances, I, the chance I was given, the people that worked with me, the support that I had, the teammates that came that were that are now my brothers and best friends and are going to be my wedding, and um, the places I got to go and places I got to bring my family like, all of that in that, like, literally sitting in front of that camera just like came over me, and I was um, and that really helped me deal with the loss. Like, it still is a big hole in, in me losing that game, it's going to be that way for a while, but I think honestly, get, like, God. Letting me feel all that gratitude helped put it all into perspective for me over just one game or one
0: trophy. It was remarkable to watch Corey because I I could remember those images and and me and uh, boy Howdy producing this podcast as you know just tens of thousands were just so rooting for you all to to get you know to get that title. Yep. You know, been to the Final Four, been to the title game. Incredible culture as he said that Coach Few has built uh, built there. But I remember watching you at the end of that, you know, and not knowing we would do this podcast eventually and just a couple months after that, I remember watching you thinking, man, the poise of that young guy right there to be hugging his teammates, right? A bunch of them were just in tears. A bunch of them were just goo, <laughs> especially your young freshman. Mm-hmm. And you're there hugging him. And to see your poise, I just, it just struck me in that moment, man, there's, there's, a, there's just a depth there's a depth of understanding that the Lord has put on him, that Corey Kispert, when he walked in as a freshman, probably would have been in those tears yeah. of goo, right? Yeah. But to have those four years and those walks and those talks and that journey and to have, as you just said, a, a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness. How did you do? I, I just, <laughs> as a 27-year-old kid, how? how?
1: I do not know. And, and I, I really don't. That's why I think it was God-given. because. Yeah. Uh, every bone in my body but every bone in my body wanted to be mad wanted to be pissed off wanted to uh, you know blame blame something blame myself blame somebody else that's just that's just not the way I felt for some reason and yeah I, that's that's why I truly think it was god given because i i don't know how i was able to make those words come out of my mouth in front of that camera on that press conference
0: how do you process the next few weeks
1: that's a great question um, a lot of it is just Soaking up the time I have here. I'm from Seattle, but Spokane really does feel like home um, just because of how welcoming they've been and saying my goodbyes and see you later, um, packing up my stuff, selling off my bed frame, like things like that. You know, moving out, I'm just kind of trying to pause and soak in the last week because from Friday of next week on, it's going to be very fast paced.
0: What does that look like? What What is, yeah. podcasts are kind of funky, right? Because people will ingest this at, at any time and maybe for years to come, Corey. Uh, these things live, live forever and I'm thankful for that. Thankful for the platform of, that really the Lord's given me with this podcast. But the, the weeks ahead are what? As you get ready for the NBA combine, you get ready for the NBA draft, you get ready for unlike the first time around, where you and mom and dad and family yeah. can sit with coaches and make decisions. Now it's them just evaluating you under the microscope and you have no idea, right, yeah. where yeah. you're gonna His ultimately end up.
1: These teams are spending, you know, millions of dollars on athletes. So they better do the research, you know, and they're gonna they're gonna turn over every rock and stone and um, but yeah, I mean I'm gonna go home and see my parents for uh, 10 days. And then, um, from there, I'm going to head over to Chicago to train for the NBA draft, my agents out there. And yeah, I've just trained with trained for two months and get ready to go. And, um, when that hits when the draft night hits, which is July 29th, my life changes.
0: And as we tape this in early May kind of on the precipice of all of this, you have no idea. What door will open next?
1: No clue. Like, I mean, I can, I can look at, I can hear what people are saying. I can take advice from people. I can look at ESPN draft boards and I can kind of guess where I'll go. Um, And then I can watch games uh, at night at four and seven o'clock and think about how I'll fit into certain teams and stuff like that. But in reality, they're, they're focusing on making the playoffs and winning as many games as possible they're not focused about drafting a 22 year old kid from Gonzaga. So they're not really telling us anything and we're not really hearing anything from them. So it's totally, it's totally a guessing game for, you know, two and a half months now.
0: And what is Corey Kispert moving on as he becomes a professional athlete, as you move on and you use this gift that you have and you use all of this experience that you had that you've so wonderfully laid out and shared with us from Kings to Gonzaga what does Corey Kispert want to do at the next level
1: uh, I mean I want to be I want to be a great basketball player but I also want to learn from people learn from veterans I want to be able to you know start a family I want to be able to impact the community that I'm in I mean there's so there are so many opportunities that open that are opened to you as profession as a professional athlete I mean you can kind of understand this there's a lot of cool things that you can do with the platform and um, I'm not sure where that direction is going to take me, but, and I'm, and I'm definitely going to work my tail off. Um, but there's just so much more to be done other than just be really good at putting a ball in a hoop. So, um, what that is, I'm not really sure yet. Um, it depends on where I go and where I'm at and stuff like that. But I mean, those are kind of just a few things that come to
0: mind right off the top. couple last things here. Are you more Dr. J or Larry Bird? Larry Bird, Dr. J, Larry, his dad's throwing you in the air. <laughs> Are you a mix?
1: Um, I think I'm more, a little bit more Larry Bird now that I've grown my hair out. <laughs> I can shoot a jumper, kind of like Larry Bird can. Um, and then when Larry Bird dunks the ball, you're kind of like, wait, like he can do that? He can do that? <laughs> and that's kind of I me. Mean. Like when I dunk.
0: Was that know, in the final? Was it in the championship that you went up on the inbound, or was that the semifinal against UCLA? Yeah, it?
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I had a lot of people like, hey, I don't think you could do that. I like, Where, not, I'm not, I'm not that old yet. I don't have bad news yet. Like,
0: <laughs> Last thing here. Yeah. As I said earlier in the podcast, you know that young players are gonna hopefully ingest this. You know that parents that that love the Lord are going to try to find this podcast and oh Corey Kisper I remember watching him I know he loves Jesus and and they're going to try to send to their kids to to listen to you know that aspiring coaches and and such how, how can I encourage uh, uh, my team you know to as you've said multiple times you know be a be a culture of a friendship accountability but excellence as well I guess my last thing Corey is just what counsel do you do you give to those uh, maybe that audience that that's going to take this in you know, what, what counsel do you give to just walk this journey of, man, here's this gift that I love to do and play basketball, but man, here's how I navigate my faith through it. What's the last yeah. little bit of counsel and, and advice yeah. you'd give?
1: Wow. Um, I guess the biggest thing that's really helped me over the years is I've found friends that can, this is the phrase that I use, stab me in front and what i mean by that is they're willing to hold you accountable to your face they're never going to talk badly or they 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 might talk badly about you behind your back but they'll also back it up to you if you ask them they're willing to you know bring you down to earth if you've too big of a head they're willing to laugh at you cry with you whatever like make sure you invest in people who know you for who you are and are willing to hold you accountable to that right. rather than the points you score because there's a lot of people in my life especially this year that have mysteriously popped into it you know and asking to be my friend right and you kind of have to be wary of that but having that kind of inner circle of friends and family who know you for who you are and will be you know, willing to speak up if you start straying too much from it that's what's so so valuable
0: I wasn't one of those creepers, was I? Texting you to try to get no, to
1: no, the no, <laughs> Totally different circumstances.
0: <laughs> Corey, man, thank you so much for for sharing your heart. Um, I know there will be people that will listen to this and be praying for you now and praying for your journey in the in the months ahead that you land exactly where the Lord will have you and uh, to be a light and an impact as you were at Kings, as you were at Gonzaga. Thanks for sharing your heart with us today, man.
1: Thank you, Brock. Thanks so much for that time.
0: Above and Beyond, the intersection of faith and sports. Subscribe to receive every episode at AboveAndBeyondPodcast.com.